a lot of things happening in the economy anyway and uh, this is a good medium of informing investors. We are seeing a very interesting battle between the bulls and the bears. At the end of the day, the long-term trends favor India. You are, you are seeing exactly what Salil Parekh, CEO of Infosys said. That some of the larger projects which are driving revenues are the cost-saving projects. Oh boy, from next week, we're going to get into heavy news flow with the earnings season starting in full flow. Welcome to the first podcast. This is um, the first and hopefully long series uh, where every week we outline what's happening with the Indian markets, the Indian economy and Indian finance. And, uh, you know, we're really excited to talk about this subject. Absolutely. A lot of things happening in the economy anyway. And uh, this is a good medium of informing investors and everybody who's interested in the Indian economy. So it's a great start, Varun. Yeah, thanks, Seth. So... I mean, let's start right at the right at the top. Flat week for the markets. Uh, not much change. I think Sensex and Nifty have barely moved by, uh, you know, 0.2% down, which is really nothing. Um, any big news flow in this week that we should talk about? Yeah, of course, we can talk about the news flow. But first, let us understand why the week was generally flat. And while the week-to-week number point to point was flat, but there was a lot of uh, volatility on various days. And we are seeing a very interesting battle between the bulls and the bears over here and uh, where the FIIs have been selling stock, but Indian domestic investors, retail as well as institutional, they've been buying whatever stock can be absorbed. And as such, it was a light week in terms of news. But oh boy, from next week, we're going to get into heavy news flow with the earnings season starting in full flow. And that's going to be a very important earnings season. And we can expect a great deal of volatility in stock prices and the Nifty. So let's look forward to a good week. But first, uh, the important headlines for last week. Uh, I think that uh, one of the most important headlines, uh, and this has been capturing investors' uh, attention a lot, is the inflation rate. So the inflation rate in USA was lower than what the street was expecting, what economists were projecting. In India also, we had a lower interest rate as compared to what the economists were saying. And now there's a good chance that uh, the U.S. Fed also reduces its increases in interest rates. And the Indian RBI may go in for a pause. There's a 20% uh, chance, as per the polls, that they may pause when they meet again in February. So that, I would say, is the most important highlight. Apart from that, we had numbers coming in from TCS and Infosys. These are the flag bearers of the uh, IT industry. A lot of investments are in these companies. And I thought both these companies came with very good set of numbers, but these stocks had rallied before the results came through. When the actual numbers came through, we saw a mild correction in it. But the numbers qualitatively, quantitatively looked good, but they're historical. And the managements did point out that there could be some headwinds going ahead because of the macroeconomic conditions. Well, let's start, uh, let's dig into this inflation thing a little bit because it's a it's a topic of a lot of interest. Now, I think, you know, you're right that, you know, inflation expectations came in lower, um, lower than what the street thought. But on the flip side, I think we have China sort of dropping its zero COVID restrictions. So, I mean, surely there's some concern that, you know, like every economy saw post-COVID bump, um, China with its size might see a post-COVID bump that might generally allow, you know, 
cause inflation to drag along for a little longer. Uh, do we see that, you know, as being a real possibility? Yeah, it's a very interesting point, Varun, because incidentally, the metal shares did very well last week. And China is a big consumer of uh, steel, aluminium and ferrous and non-ferrous metals. And I think that once their economy starts to do better and uh, hopefully the property market also improves over there, construction picks up, it will certainly have an impact on the global economy as far as commodities are concerned. At the same time, uh, you could see on the flip side or the positive side, better supply chains because China has opened up. So I think it's uh, there are count, counter forces here and there. Uh, but an important negative, uh, I would say short term negative impact for equities in India is that because China has opened up and they did a kind of a U-turn on their zero COVID policy, the Chinese stock markets have been rallying. And uh, a lot of money uh, which may have been diverted into India because of the problems in China. Now, those investors are saying, hey, let's just wait and watch India. We got a trading opportunity, at least in China. So some amount of diversification, especially from the emerging market funds, is going towards China. And interestingly, China and related economies, whether it's Vietnam or whether it is uh, South Korea or some of the other Asian countries, uh, they have seen an inflow of foreign institutional money, whereas we've seen an outflow. So that is a something trend which is playing out. And no doubt that FI is extremely positive on India. But the short-term aberrations do come into play and impact our stock markets. Yeah. You know, interestingly, if I was reading this article recently, that the richest area in the world now is APAC. So if you think of uh, the aging populations that are concentrating wealth in Japan, South Korea, Singapore, as well as um, Taiwan, um, those are really the richest, some of the richest areas. And they have very strong links to China generally. <coughs> there may be a, you know, a more comfort as opposed to Western investors to invest in China. And obviously that has a knock-on effect where, you know, money moves out of somewhere into China. And obviously that... Yeah, you know, and Chinese fund managers are quite influential. Yeah, they are. So... I mean, it seems like a really positive time for China and a negative time for... Well, it's short term. At the end of the day, the long term trends favor India at the expense of China. And that's a well accepted uh, consensus outlook. Uh, just that timing wise, we may be on the back foot uh, for the immediate short term. Fair enough. I mean, we've enjoyed, you know, being on the front foot timing wise for, you know, the majority of 2022. Maybe, You're right, you know, absolutely. So, we had a great 2022 yeah. uh, where all markets were going all over the place and we had the minimal, we had a net-net positive return. And considering there was war and there were supply chain issues and interest rates, inflation, and uh, there was a tremendous amount of FI selling, yet uh, we were quite uh, resilient. And that really is surprised me in my 30 years in the market. I have not seen this kind of a resilience. And I've seen many crises in the past, 2008, 12, 13, and even 2000.com bubble. And uh, if something similar would have happened maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would have bet my money that the Indian markets would have tanked by at least 20%. But yeah, they're up actually for the year. Yeah. But you know, I think there's a really interesting reason why that's happened. Uh, because if you look historically, India's big vulnerability to the you know global economy is our giant energy imports. You know, very, very import dependent as a country on energy. And in 2022, as generally, you know, energy exports <coughs> and energy supplies were unstable globally, I think 
you know, India's geopolitics was right, where, you know, we were able to sort of play both sides, you know, maintain good relationships with Russia as well as not uh, not piss off the West, so to speak. Yeah, I think we played our cards very well and kudos to the government and Prime Minister Modi for handling this delicate situation so well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing going forward, and you know, I don't really have any data on this, is that food inflation generally takes two to three quarters to kick in because it impacts the the sowing season, the harvest season, the processing, and then finally it impacts the market. And uh, I don't know if food inflation has fully, you know, come through. And, you know, when you consider Russia and Ukraine were major grain exporters, uh, as well as the fact that the U.S. is going through a really terrible drought. Uh, I don't know if the uh, the softening in inflation is here to stay, because once food inflation picks up, you know that that sharply impacts the wage price spiral. Um, so these things are complex, <laughs> yeah, and uh, they can play out either ways. Uh, all I can say is that. Uh, uh, the, the global demographics are weak. Uh, the global economies are slowing down. Maybe China may have a bump up, but Europe, US are getting into minor recession. And that certainly is not positive for commodities. Uh, companies over there will put off investments. Consumption may go down. Actual car sales may come down. So that may affect uh, a lot of demand for basic materials. And mind you, whenever commodity prices go down, India is one of the biggest beneficiary because net-net, <clears throat> our stock markets and our economy is a consumer of commodities. Yeah. And we need the basic commodities to build our economy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as the dollar doesn't suddenly and rapidly strengthen. Absolutely. I think we should be okay. That's right. So let's move on to the other big, uh, big headlines of the week. And maybe this is, uh, you know, one of the great drivers of the Indian economy the uh, Indian ID sector. I think the largest employer in the country now is TCS, which is a fantastic milestone. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's a feather in the cap yeah. for the company. It's unbelievable. It's a, it's a testament to the amount of talent we're generating. To, to absorb, employ, and productively use such a large breadth of talent, um, hats off to our educational institutions, as, as well as the people that, you know, study for these IIT entrance exams. Yeah, but Varun, <laughs> these companies are have got fantastic training programs as well. So they take the freshers and they bring them, bring out the best in them and they're ready to go on projects. So every fresher has to go through a, a, a very rigorous training program, whether it's at Infosys, TCS or any of the larger companies. And uh, these companies uh, are not only generating employment, but they are, I think, great uh, temples of knowledge as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into their results a little bit more. Um, I think both Infosys and TCS saw roughly 20% revenue growth, roughly 6-7% profit growth. Um, what's driving that revenue growth? And I think, you know, they've made some commentary around, you know, strength in US and UK markets, weakness in European markets. How do you see this playing out for them going forward? See, I think the street or rather the analysts were surprised by the numbers which came through. Uh, my understanding is it's because of the uh, very strong deal flow in the previous few quarters. So you got a nice spillover effect uh, of those deals which they had uh, clicked and concluded maybe six months, 12 months ago. Those are scaling up well, which is why I think uh, they were able to report historical or actual numbers 
which were better than what uh, the street had factored in. But there is no denying that there are certain uh, weak spots. Europe certainly is one. Uh, and uh, US, uh, the, the decision-making cycles are longer. So those are the two negatives. But on the positive side, you know, all the projects which are going for cloud, AI, IoT, I think those are structural uh, expenses or structural costs which enterprises globally are taking place. And those aren't going to change because of a recession which is happening or which may happen. So I think from that extent, there is a fantastic resilience when it comes to IT spending. And mind you, this is all something very new. I've seen earlier recessions in the US and that certainly knocked our IT companies. The growth fell from 18, 19%, 20% to flat. It didn't go negative, but it went flat. But in our context, that is almost like a, a quite a shocker. But this time around, from the commentary I'm gathering, from the actual deal flow of this quarter, I think that these companies can still deliver mid-single-digit type of uh, constant currency uh, revenue growth rate and uh, double-digit type of top-line growth in Indian rupee. And one of the biggest costs for these companies is flattening out. That's the labor, the wage cost. They had a spiraling uh, increment uh, season the last several quarters, but that's flattening out. And so even though you have a slightly lower um, revenue growth rate, because your salary bill will come under control or slightly remain at a slower pace than the revenue growth, you could have them, these companies maintain the earnings per share as well. So that's a very interesting thing. It's gone, I think, a bit unnoticed from what I read from the media. But uh, operating leverages may come into play. And what, what has happened is that the last six to eight quarters, all the IT companies have reported a lower and lower operating profit margin because of higher wage costs. So they had negative operating leverage. But now the tide is turning. This season, whatever results have come so far, it's a neutral operating leverage. But from the next quarter onwards, you'll have a positive operating leverage. And that's good news. I don't think that's been factored in. I'm not that bearish on IT stocks. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, I mean, it's an interesting point you touched on that now, you know, there's these structural trends, uh, cloud, AI, that are driving, you know, IT spends. Uh, the interesting thought that I'd like to get your comments on is that obviously a lot of IT spends are now, they're, they're a requirement for companies. You can't... Uh, if you're a modern enterprise, you can't, you know, be operating without software. And a lot of that requires maintenance, upkeep, stuff like that. And in a time of, in recessionary times, when we're seeing cost cutting play out across the U.S., we're seeing, you know, uh, job losses across the U.S., U.K., Europe. Um, is there an element of substitution where, you know, I mean, you see these giant layoffs by the fang, um, where you could where you could see you know, a lot of major enterprises across the US and UK and Europe go, you know what, we still need an IT department. We still need, you know, technology investment because our, our business relies on it. Instead of um, instead of hiring locally, let's continue to sort of move workloads to, to these IT companies, move workloads offshore. And I think the pandemic in particular has proved that you can work remotely without without uh, impacting productivity. So is that, you know, maybe another driver where they go, you know, we don't need people locally. Let's, let's. You're, you're seeing exactly what Salil Parekh, CEO of Infosys said, that some of the larger projects which are driving revenues are the cost saving projects. 
and uh, at times of recession companies want to tighten their belt and uh, i think our it engineers can play a very critical role over there so that certainly is a trend uh, but uh, i think uh, that broadly um, you should not expect runway growth for them but certainly i think that indian it industry will manage this recession if it were to happen far better than anything they've managed in the last 20 years or so yeah, it's it'd be interesting to see though i mean the last because there's i think if you look at the indian it industry's history there's a, a couple of different booms the first was the y2k boom up until the 2000s which really drove that growth and i think there was an offshoring boom at some point that really drove that growth um is this like offshoring boom 2.0 or this is a completely new animal well, i think the thing in it is that every few years there's a new wave new technologies and that's where uh, indian it companies tend to benefit but enough about it varun uh, did you see the pictures which came in the auto expo which took, which taking place in delhi i think some very very exciting models coming through and look i'm a great fan of the auto industry i think almost after 5 6 years of stagnation we are seeing very good numbers coming in from the passenger vehicle side and we had some superb new models come through from maruti from tata motors mahindra and mahindra and more interestingly so many new two wheeler companies launched their electric vehicles as well so i think the indian auto industry also is coming to life over here and i'm quite pleased with what uh, i mean i wish i could have gone over there but i saw so many videos of so many launches and i was quite impressed and uh, i think that uh, the indian auto industry is perhaps hitting a nice purple patch uh, next few years could be fantastic for them uh, and thankfully the new models have captured the imagination of the consumer it's really driving aspiration to own a, a high end um, uh, passenger vehicle or to go for a electric scooter and uh, these things are really exciting the consumer and uh, i think auto is a very big uh, uh engine for the economy that's doing well and then you have real estate also a lot of news flow coming so from real estate I have, as well i have an interesting question here right it's a bit of interplay because we know that banks now in india are also at a really great place so you know you have got rid of all you know the the bad loans they have decently sized balance sheets and we're expecting to see sort of an expansion in credit growth particularly tilted towards retail credit growth um is you know is that retail credit growth you know auto loans in particular going to drive both loan growth for banks as well as vehicle and you know sales for for auto companies because it seems like there's a natural marriage here because you know these large ticket purchases and i want you should add in real estate to it because and real estate yes of course so see what is happening is that banks are focusing more and more on retail lending and it's a great time for them as well because the two large engines which drive retail lending is property prices property and property sales property prices and auto both of these are doing exceedingly well and after several years of stagnation downturn we are seeing a natural cyclical upswing in auto as well as in uh, property and home ownership and that's very good for not only those sectors but also the ancillary industries for the banking sector per se and i can see the formation of a nice virtuous cycle where one industry pulls up the other and that pulls down pulls up the other industry and an entire nice income wealth effect coming into play over the next 2 3 years or so so 
We're getting into a good zone. I'm, I'm sorry I'm being so optimistic <laughs> and we will of course cover all the risk factors as well. Um, that usually comes towards the end of a podcast. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully by then people are uh, so much into positive frame yeah. that they, they just dial like, out and they don't yeah, listen to the risk exactly. factors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Well, um, you've spoken quite quite extensively about you know what's what's happened this week. Um, anything to look out for next week? I think obviously results season. That's right. It's going to be all about the next two. Next four weeks is going to be all about results. There'll be a few bouncers. There'll be companies which will look at their numbers and you know, jaw-dropping figures may come. And there are ones uh, where you feel oh, what has happened over here. Why did the street, why did we get it wrong? So it's a, it's a great time. And I think investors do not uh, really understand the importance of these earnings season. Uh, I would say that uh, earnings season is a good point in the year to have a good hard look at your portfolio. Uh, you know, we keep talking about reviewing your portfolio all the time and people say how frequently should we review. We are long-term investors, why should we review? You know, those also, there are some who think like that and there are traders who say, I want to look at my portfolio every day, every week, every month. But a sensible way of reviewing your portfolio is during the earning season because you know what stocks you own and uh, as soon as the company declares its results, it's a good idea to read up on what the results are. These days, there are analyst calls, there are fantastic management discussion uh, uh, reports, there are analyst reports as well, and they are concise, they are detailed, depending upon your time. You should read up on the companies you own, what performance they have declared for the December quarter, and then review your holdings. So I'm, what I'm giving you is a nice system of managing the review part of your portfolio that every time a company declares a result, read about it, take a call whether you want to remain invested, buy more or sell. You know what they can do instead of all of that work? Listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. Yeah, we hope so. Right. Um, any, any, you know, bellwethers, any canaries in the coal mine, any companies in particular whose results you're looking forward to seeing next week? Well, not particularly next week, but Oh boy, I'm looking forward to the bank numbers across the board. On Saturday, we have HDFC Bank. And I think that, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to bet the bank, so to speak. I think they'll give it a good set of numbers. Uh, HDFC Bank, I just want to highlight here. It's one of the largest banks in India. Huge balance sheet size, 12, 13 lakh crores. And yet they grow at rates which are higher than the smaller banks which are higher than the entire industry as well. And they grow with that thought. Let's talk about HDFC Bank once the results come. Okay. Let's not make predictions that we, we can't, uh, you know, we can't back. Let's, let's give people something to tune into next week. That's, that's a good idea. All right. Well, uh, I think that's everything that we have to discuss today. Good. I think we had a great podcast, Varun. Yeah. And we covered many topics. Uh, I hope you guys uh, liked it and yeah, keep yeah. following us. Yeah, please. I think the what YouTubers do nowadays is please like, share, subscribe, follow. That's you know that. Best. Yeah, that's the that's everything you can do. All right. I think we're done for today. Thanks Thank a you. Lot.